This is Rising Up with Sonali, and I'm your host, Sonali Kolhatkar. You can watch this program on Free Speech TV and listen to it on community and independent radio stations nationwide. South Africa's sophisticated scientific infrastructure has detected and sequenced a new mutated variant of the COVID-19 virus and alerted the world about its existence. The new variant, dubbed Omicron, was in the Netherlands, Europe, a week before being detected by South African scientists. But that hasn't stopped the U.S. from imposing travel bans on several African nations, including South Africa. It's not yet clear if symptoms from the Omicron variant are milder or worse than the Delta variant, if it's more transmissible, or if it responds badly to existing vaccines. But critics point out that the longer that vaccine apartheid persists, wherein rich nations are hoarding vaccines, the more the virus has a chance to mutate. My guest is Peter Maybarduk. He is Public Citizen's Global Access to Medicines Director. Welcome to the program, Peter. Great to be back with you. So the last time you and I spoke uh, last year, we spoke about how you were worried that the countries that Pfizer and Moderna and all these uh, companies were based in BioNTech, that they would hoard vaccines and, you know, ensure that their citizens get it before the citizens of poor nations. Has that largely played out? Uh, You know, here we are in nearly winter of 2021. Are we still still seeing a big difference in access to vaccines uh, between rich and poor nations? More than 5 million people have died of COVID, most of them after introduction of the Pfizer vaccine uh, around this time last year. And that is due to vaccine apartheid. That is due to a systematic invisible regime by which our our place of birth and significant degree, uh, wealth and skin color, uh, predetermine our ability to access vaccines and make a path out of the pandemic. Wealthy countries absolutely did um, purchase the bulk of vaccines, but also raw materials to a significant degree, uh, delaying production out of the Serum Institute of India, for example, and making it harder to vaccinate the world so it's it's been it's been of course terrible for all of us to um to experience and and to witness and it's uh, it's late but fortunately we do have some signs now of uh, of changing positive trajectories in in supply and in things that can be done to uh, ensure that we save as many lives as possible in the year ahead and equip the world with the kind of manufacturing facilities and the know-how that will be needed to resist this and future variants and future threats. And I want to talk to you about the the patents and the World Trade Organization, but let's focus on the Omicron variant for a minute because that's what's in the news right now, and it is spurring critics uh, like yourself to point out that you know that this is the sort of world we're going to live in if 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 everyone doesn't have access to vaccines, we're going to see these mutations. Now, South Africa is very upset, understandably. Their scientists work very hard; they have experience with many other viruses, and so they have a good infrastructure built up, and they were able to sequence this variant, alert the world about it and then be punished with these travel bans. Now we're hearing that actually that variant was present in the Netherlands and Europe. We're not seeing any travel bans necessarily. Is, do, do you draw a direct line, or maybe it's too early to tell, between vaccine apartheid and this particular variant? 
Well, there may be multiple factors, but certainly the world would be in a better position if everyone had received a first dose instead of uh, some of us moving on to, to third doses, uh, instead of artificial supply constraints, keeping us from uh, continuing a regular predictable supply of vaccines to developing countries so they can properly roll them out to their populations. You know, it's not as though the rollout in the United States with all its resources was perfectly smooth matter. Vaccine acceptance and uptake rates are actually very high in much of, uh, in much of Southern Africa, but uh, it is difficult to manage vaccine rollout when you don't know when the next vaccines are going uh, are going to arrive. So it's put Southern Africa in a very difficult, uh, very difficult position, and uh, we would certainly be better off if that initial focus. The world would be better off if that initial focus had been on equity and getting everyone a first dose. You know, it's interesting that we're seeing that the at least as of now we know that potentially the Netherlands was the first place the variant arose. Do you find it ironic that we have seen mass protests in Europe against vaccine mandates? I mean, does it seem to you like first world privilege where these are countries that have access to the vaccines and there's pretty significant percentages of the population that are resisting getting it? Meanwhile, many other countries in the world don't even have access to it when they want it. I just think it points to tremendous failure of, of global governance or, or how our, society, our societies are not so advanced as we'd like. like we, we're unable to take, we've been unable, the world's been unable to take collective action to end the pandemic. We haven't seen the sort of leadership from wealthy countries uh, that we've needed to see. Every country I think wrestles with vaccine hesitancy uh, to, varying, uh, to varying degrees, but what has been missing is a sort of leadership that says, that said from the beginning of the pandemic, we are gonna to need to manufacture at scale. We're gonna to need to share knowledge with the world. Everyone should be operating from the best scientific and manufacturing basis to stamp out COVID as quickly as possible together. And that never quite materialized. We see shots taken at it. We see you know, an effort uh, through COVAX, through the ACT Accelerator, through the World Health Organization, but it's very difficult for WHO to do what needs to be done without much more significant funding and politi uh, political leadership from the global north. So that's simply been a, a tremendous failing that many people knew was coming, uh, but we were still unable to bring uh, political leadership of the world's most most powerful countries around to act beforehand. So now it's it's as if, you know, for residents of wealthy countries too, who are now quite scared of Omicron. It's it's we're, it's sort of like we didn't pay the bill on time, right? We waited for the third notice and the late fees to pile up. Uh, before bothering really trying to get the global pandemic under control. But in this case, the late fees are bodies and the late fees are it is tremendous risks to, to everyone everywhere. And it's a, it's a travesty. So Peter, what is the situation with sharing vaccine technology currently and the patents that uh, companies hold on vaccines Vaccines that were funded by public dollars. Uh, where, where are those patents at the World Trade Organization right now? Well, unfortunately, the the WTO talks uh, are are not making the progress that needs to be seen. We've hoped for much more leadership than the Biden administration to push that across the line. But I I think more broadly, we are seeing some some far too slow and too modest progress toward sharing the technology that's needed to scale up 
vaccine manufacturing. And I'd like to tell you about a very hopeful initiative out of South Africa, led by South Africa and the firm Afrogen and the World Health Organization, that is a plan to, uh, to set up a technology transfer hub for mRNA vaccines, to make mRNA vaccines in South Africa and to make the, the center, the production center, a center of learning for all the world so that manufacturers from anywhere can come to this hub and learn how to make better vaccines. The hub has funding, it's up and moving, and uh, they're going to be working on copying the NIH Moderna vaccine, which is the world's most effective COVID vaccine. But of course, Moderna itself has not agreed to share technology, and that's going to slow down progress. Scientists still think they can copy it with time, but this project and many projects like it would be on far better footing if Moderna would share its vaccine recipe, if Pfizer would share its vaccine recipe, even if they would simply make their technical experts available for a few hours per week, an extremely modest request, we could make more progress uh, at, the, at the hub and other environments. So the, the, the commercial confidentiality and the way that companies have jealously guarded uh, the recipes and, and their vaccine know-how as trade secrets and the ways that governments have allowed them to do so, despite the fact that a vaccine like NIH Moderna is co-owned by the U.S. government, was pioneered in significant part by U.S. government scientists. We're still letting corporations call the shots during this pandemic, and that has very significant public health consequences. So um, when we currently uh, look at the, the the state of the world as it is with differing access to vaccines, what do you predict, you know, based on what you've seen already with the COVID-19 vaccine? Is the Omicron variant basically a sign of things to come? I mean, this variant, we don't know much about it, but, but what scientists do know is that it has mutated pretty seriously. And the longer that it circulates, from my understanding, among unvaccinated people, the more chance there is of mutations, right? So, which in turn then can reduce the efficacy of vaccines in the rich nations. I mean, aren't the rich nations just hurting themselves in the long run by not sharing the vaccine technology? We, we can't be all safe if, you know, if some of us are not safe. Ultimately, and that's why I raise, you know, the sort of the bill bill paying metaphor, the world would be better off if we would make a very significant down payment on stamping out COVID as quickly as possible through radically increased manufacturing capacity, the best vaccine platforms, and through making that knowledge available to the world. That would help us put the global economy in shape more quickly. That would help everyone be more secure. And most importantly, of course, it could prevent millions more, uh, millions more deaths. We can't know, or at least I cannot know, uh, the, the sort of magnitude of what we're going to see from Omicron or what we may see from future variants. But certainly we know that there are going to be more threats of this nature. And it is prudent and uh, a very sound investment to protect the world now uh, by making these, these investments in vaccine capacity and making sure that knowledge is, is broadly shared. We are we're rolling the dice in a very big way by not uh, by not securing the most robust possible capacity globally and and we've known that for a long time uh so hopefully you know the uh, the the sort of the, the the silver lining on on omicron's long shadow will be to help wake policymakers up to the need to make those changes now uh pfizer has 
created or basically come up with a medication that it uh, says is quite effective against the against the virus in terms of treatment. We've had lots of controversial treatments that uh, conspiracy theorists have shared, a uh, former president including, but there is a new Pfizer pill called Paxlovid, which apparently uh, Pfizer has agreed to license that to, to poorer nations, but it's not treating its vaccine patent in the same way. Um, I mean, it, it seems strange that it would do this. Well, I think that the, there are a couple of issues. I mean, is it to do with the mRNA technology? I mean, this is one of the things that these vaccine manufacturers keep claiming that this technology is very complicated. It could be dangerous on the wrong hands. Well, I think what they mean is that it's very lucrative mm. and uh, mRNA manufacturers are very cons want to be able to use that technology in future products and, and want, be, want to be able to charge increased prices as the world begins to move out of a, an acute phase of the pandemic and, and wants to manage that process and guard it uh, jealously. Uh, so I think that is I think that is part of the difference. Uh, Pfizer's licensing agreement for its therapeutic is helpful so far as it goes. It uh, includes about half the world, leaves about half the world out. So it also means that even for the therapeutics, we're very much going to need strategies to increase supply and drive down price through generic competition, which fortunately is a little simpler to do uh, for a small molecule therapeutic than, than for a vaccine. So, so that's one of the many developments on tap, but certainly it's telling that Pfizer is pursuing that strategy for therapeutics and, and not for vaccines. And we need Pfizer to come around and share its vaccine technology as well. Finally, Peter, what can President Biden do to push these companies? Um, he says he wants to vaccinate the world. The companies are being reluctant. Um, ultimately, does he have executive power to take action? We long have called on President Biden to launch a $25 billion program to make 8 billion doses of mRNA in a year uh, at sites around the world and simultaneously provide doses of the most effective vaccines to stamp out the, the pandemic and equip sites around the world with the necessary technology and know-how to fight uh, to fight variants and, and future threats. The administration recently announced plans uh, to, uh, well, a call for U.S. manufacturers to apply to participate in a program to increase mRNA manufacturing domestically, but intended for global use. That's a lot better than nothing. It's a program that could save lives late next year. Uh, however, we, we certainly hope that the administration will build on it in terms of ambition. We'll make that program larger, target a larger number of doses, and also look to diversify production and the sharing of know-how. Because if we just keep all that knowledge in the United States, we will not be responding, we'll not be adequately using the world's scientific or manufacturing capabilities, uh, and uh, we will not really be equipping the world against future hoarding, which will, will continue, to be, continue to be a risk. Give out a website where people can find out more about the work you do. Citizen.org. We have quite a bit of work. Just search for vaccines. You'll find a, a great deal of work there. I just want to add on the point with President Biden that he has all this authority under existing law mm -hmm. to compel Moderna and Pfizer to act and to share not only 
doses, but know-how with the world. Sharing doses is charity and it's critically important. Sharing knowledge is justice and what we need. And the president has the power to act on it. And we hope that he will. And of course, ultimately it benefits Americans um, if the world is vaccinated again, just to keep harping on that if in case people don't care about uh, or have enough empathy for the rest of the world, at least from a selfish perspective, <laughs> it benefits everybody because there's less chance for variants to develop if more people are vaccinated. Peter, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. My guest has been Peter Maybardukis, Public Citizens Global Access to Medicines Director. I'm Sonali Kohatkar. You can access this and other interviews on our website, risingupwithsonali.com, by becoming a subscriber. Find our audio podcast on iTunes and Spotify. And follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at RU with Sonali.